Derek Kreifels is the co-founder and chief executive officer of the State Financial Officers Foundation, SFOF. They're the only nonprofit in the U.S. that combines groundbreaking free market research with a strong network of state treasurers, auditors, and other financial officers. They actively sustain the health of each state's economic outlook. Now, before co-founding the SFOF in 2012, uh, Derek spent five years as an assistant state treasurer of Kansas, where he oversaw the state's college savings plan, ABLE plan, debt and bond management, and pension investments. During his tenure, his office processed over $21 billion annually, and he managed 42 employees with an annual budget over $3.5 million. In the economic war room, I run into Derek fairly frequently uh, because we speak on the same circuit and we attend strategy meetings to combat ESG and other threats to our liberty. So it's with great pleasure I welcome Derek to the Economic War Room. Welcome, Derek. Thank you so much, Kevin, for having me. It's an honor to be with you. Well, it's an honor to be with you. You're making the biggest impact. You know, we look across uh, the country and say, where are impacts being made to preserve liberty using economic weapons? And you're doing it through your office. How did you get into this economic war? Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, what we, you know, over the last 10 years as our organization started, you know, we were looking at um, ways to have these leaders really step up and lead on state financial issues. So, you know, one of the things that we realized when, when we first started the organization, we did a, a national poll and we asked, uh, who do you trust more on state financial issues in your state? We, we pulled 14 states. We looked at red, purple, and blue states. Um, and we gave them the choice of their state treasurer, their governor, or their member of Congress. And the lowest that a state treasurer got was 60% in any state. Wow. Um, the governor was between 20 and 25%. And of course, you know, the member of Congress, regardless of party, was in the tank. Um, and so we realized we had this untapped resource um, when it came to a statewide elected official who could, could lead on issues like pension reform, on state budget policy, state taxation policy, all of those things that are, are financially related that touch um, state government and, and the, the everyday lives of, of people in the various states. Um, and so we, we started organizing and realizing that uh, you know, we had some incredible men and women who, um, as you've seen recently, have really stepped up uh, to lead on some of these really big issues. Yeah, they're big issues, but there are issues that impact individual Americans as citizens of the, of the state and of the country. So you, you're actually touching real lives on real things that people have to write checks for, have to deal with, have to face at the individual level while you're preserving liberty at the national level. So I've got your mission statement. SFOF's mission is to drive fiscally sound public policy by partnering with key stakeholders and educating Americans on the role of responsible financial management in a free market economy. Can you comment on that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, really, our, our mission is to educate uh, the public, and that, that mission statement kind of sums it up. You know, what we want to do is we want these elected officials and these state leaders to raise the red flag when a, when a state's governor um, is doing something that's not the most financial sense, uh, that's, not, that's not smart, um, or when a state legislature might be going off the rails in, in thinking about um, how to spend state tax dollars. Um, so, um, you know, these are good uh, men and women who have solid conservative free market uh, foundations and principles that are guiding their decisions. 
And while they're not lawmakers, they are people that have an incredible amount of influence on these issues. And so, so that's what we're doing is we're trying to provide them the tools that they need, um, the research, the data, and, and other tools um, to be able to kind of take that fight. Um, you know, when, when, federal, when the federal government starts rolling out, you know, big fiscal items and bailout plans and, and, and you know, such as some of the, some of the uh, bills that have come out in the last few years, you know, it's these men and women that are on the front lines of, you know, their state economic dollars and watching how those federal decisions impact uh, each state individually. Yeah, I like to think of them. We tell every, every one of our viewers, you need a personal financial advisor to help you make wise decisions because Wall Street will just run all over you if you don't. And, and in this case, these are people that report to the public they're public servants. They don't serve the governor. They don't, they don't serve the bureaucracy. They serve the public. And they stand watch as a public servant or almost a state financial advisor, which is what they are. So I, I love it. It's a great, great thing. We like to think of them as the chief financial officer for their state. So that's a, that's a great way to think about it. Well, I love the key principles you've got here. Economic freedom, rule of law, federalism, accountability, a free society, free speech and civil discourse. I mean, those are the bedrock principles of the United States of America. And, and you're standing up on a financial, this is why I call it economic warfare. You're standing up on a financial basis to defend these liberties. That's right, that's right. Um, you know, th this during the, when President Biden got elected, you know, we started to see this all out assault and frankly, a weaponization of money in the United States. And, and, um, and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about many different ways, but one of the first things that we saw that our treasurers and auditors stood up against um, was this weaponization of the IRS, where there was this proposal at the United States Treasury Department in what they call the Green Book, um, where it was a book of ideas that they wanted to potentially implement by passing, having Congress pass laws. One of them was, uh, this idea of snooping on individual Americans' bank accounts to the tune of $600 in or out, whether they were deposits or payments. Um, and it, it assumed for a moment that Americans that uh, were, were not paying their taxes or that they were guilty of something. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, Kevin, but in, in this country, you know, um, I, I've always been taught that we're innocent until proven guilty. And I it really kind of set a tone for a lot of these men and women um, to push back against the federal government, push back against the IRS and say, look, that's an extraordinary invasion of privacy um, to suddenly have every kind of expenditure coming in and out of your bank account, having been, you know, having to be reported by the IRS. So we worked with, you know, the credit unions and the bankers and a lot of other great free market organizations to kind of squash that idea. That's an example of some of the things that we're working on. Yeah, and you know, that's the role of federalism. At the state level, the state is designed to protect us. And under the Constitution, it's pretty clear. Uh, any power not given explicitly to the federal government is reserved to the states and the people. We're going to need to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Derek a little more about what SFOF is doing to protect you. Derek Kreifels, I love SFOF and what you're doing. Uh, can you tell us why it's so important now when we hear all this about ESG? Absolutely. Well, as you know, ESG, and, and I'm sure many of your viewers know, it stands for Environmental Social Governance Investing. And 
um, you know, at the end of the day, um, we believe that it's un-American. I mean, that's a really, really quick summary. But, um, you know, what it is, is it's they're very large fund managers who have been uh, using the leverage of ownership that they have or, or the ability to manage state pension funds and tax dollars to promote their own social agenda. Um, so in short, what we'd like to say is, is it's, the, it's this movement on the left to really create this new branch of government where players know that they can't get leftist policies passed through the courts or the democratic process any longer. And so what they're doing is they're leveraging these giant corporate boardrooms uh, from fund managers like BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard that you know collectively those three companies manage the largest portions of state pensions across the country. They also have ownership anywhere of you know usually 16 to 20% of ownership in the top 500 publicly traded corporations. And so when they start working together and they decide to vote as a block when it comes to shareholder season um, and shareholder proposals, maybe to get a, a climate activist, for example, um, elected to the board of directors for ExxonMobil um, or other shareholder proposals, they have the power to do that. And that's what we're trying to stop. Yeah, no, I'd I, I take it a little further than, than uh, that. I think that's pure fascism. That's corporatism at minimum. But this is what Benito Mussolini wanted so he could put his policy through Italy uh, you know, in the 30s and 40s and control the people. And, and I, think, I think you're onto something there. I think it's a terrible thing. Keep going. Well, I, I, you know, the other thing that I would just add is, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, what are the motivations for these corporations to, to advance this ESG agenda? Besides the fact that they know they can't get it passed through a, a, our democratic process any longer, you know, there's this desire to do business with the people of China. Um, and while we, we don't have any ill will towards the people of China, we certainly know that the Communist Party of China aren't, is not our friend. Um, and they have, they've acted nefariously against the United States for years. Uh, but what they're doing now is, you know, companies like BlackRock see, you know, this huge number of new retail customers. And guess what, Kevin? You don't get to do business in China without the CCP's permission and approval. And so what we know they're doing by pushing things like Global Climate Action 100, GFANS, um, the, the net zero race to, to come carbon zero, you know, they're doing all that in a very hypocritical way where no one is saying the same thing to China, who, by the way, was building 50 new coal-fired power plants alone in 2022. So there's this giant gap of hypocrisy where there's all of these world leaders that, you know, this sprung out of the UN and European Union nations, you know, where they all got together and decided we can really force the behavior. That's Larry Fink's quote, by the way, um, you know, at BlackRock, we're forcing behaviors. Um, that they could do that and expect everybody just to fall in line. But at the end of the day, the more that the U.S. becomes, uh, you know, dependent on electric cars, electric charging stations, this, this new idea that, you know, combustion engines are bad, we're going to outlaw them, the more we become dependent on nations like China who own a majority of the rich minerals in the world. Um, so it's 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 really bad for America, and the, the you know our hope is is that we can really educate and wake Americans up to that realization. 
Well, it's not just bad for America. It's bad for the environment. It's bad for social justice. It's bad for, for, for um, governance. All three. China's bad in all three. Probably the worst polluter on the planet. Uh, probably the worst at social gov at, at being good socially. In fact, this is a, a nation that has enforced a one-child policy, uh, forcing abortions. It's a nation that has had forced organ harvesting. Uh, and in terms of governance, everything has to support the communist China, Chinese Communist Party. It doesn't support the people at all whatsoever. It's not transparent. It's not good governance. So it is the height of hypocrisy. It's also a massive wealth transfer. And what I think of, Derek, is I think this is the elites thinking they know the better than the American people that are unaccountable, unelected, trying to force us their direction. And by gosh, gee whiz golly, they just happen to make a little profit off of it like the pigs of Animal Farm. I think it's detestable uh, what these corporations are doing. And I'm grateful for what SOF, SFOF is doing to combat them. And number one among that is raising the alarm, telling the American people what's going on. That's right. And you mentioned um, abortion. You know, a lot of people think that ESG really uh, just focuses on issues like climate change. Um, and as you said, you know, uh, Kevin, what we're seeing is some, some of these large fund managers and different companies making shareholder proposals that would mandate reproductive rights uh, opportunities at some of the nation's largest corporations. In fact, in May, um, um, almost a month before we saw the, the reversal of Roe, we saw shareholder proposals at TJ Maxx, Lowe's, and Walmart that would have mandated a, a you know, a $5,000 paid trip and in three days off to go have an abortion in the state of their choice. Um, fortunately, those proposals failed. But those are the kinds of things that we expect to grow in number um, more than exponentially in the next shareholder season. And we need Americans who are investors that have stock in Walmart, TJ Maxx and Lowe's and other publicly traded companies to pay attention and to start thinking about and learning how they can vote their, their proxy vote as an investor when it comes time to uh, um, that season again. Um, there's a, uh, I had an opportunity to write an, an, an uh, op-ed with Marjorie Dannenfelser about this, and we anticipate that there will be, you know, over a hundred shareholder proposals on the abortion issue alone in 2023. And corporations are doing this not because they think it's going to add to their customer base. They're doing it because they want the investment from those following an ESG mandate, which is measured in the tens of trillions of dollars. So they're doing right. it to appease the investor class, which is not you. It may be your money, but you're not the one calling the shots. And that's why what Derek is doing at SFOF is so important. And the fact that he's raising awareness on these issues and also the issues on energy, you know, the idea that you're going to be starved of energy and you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. All these World Economic Forum concepts are the kind of thing that are being foisted on you by this ESG, horribly ESG. We have to take another break. When we come back, let, we'll talk with Derek about some of the answers that SFOF has. You know, money talks, and SOF talks loudly. Derek, uh, you've been talking about ESG and the impact it has. It kind of appeared out of nowhere for a lot of people, but it's been fully institutionalized. Can you share about the rating agencies and how that pushes ESG? Absolutely. 
Well, as I said in an earlier segment, you know, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street own a big share of a lot of these publicly traded companies. We can look at, take an example of Standard & Poor's global rating system. And those three corporations together own just a little bit over 18% of Standard & Poor's. Well, when Standard & Poor's started pushing a new ESG ratings on state government, um, many of our treasurers and, and states started pushing back. Um, one of them notably this year was the state of Utah, where Treasurer Marlow Oaks organized um, a letter that had every member of the federal delegation, including Senator Romney, Senator Lee, um, the governor, the AG, the president of the Senate, the Speaker of the House, basically saying to Standard & Poor's, we're not interested in having you rate our funds. Um, you know, basically, they gave them a, a poor or a negative ESG score because Utah is in a drought. And the question that everybody has asked S&P that they have refused to answer is, how does that impact the state's ability to pay back their debt? It doesn't, right? And so what we're seeing is this, this very arbitrary rating system that's starting to be pushed out. There's another rating service that has, is asking city and county governments how many charging stations and, and electric vehicles that the city or county government owns. And they're weighing that into their evaluation on how to manage their debt. Um, Morningstar, the company Morningstar, owns um, a company called Sustainalytics. Um, they they were uh, you know just hit in the news because their system of rating states and and other entities um, had a very anti-Semitic um, push to it. So you know you can see how ESG now has become this kind of banner to push back against Israel, push back against pro-life issues, push back against the Second Amendment. Whatever it is that the left uh, finds that they, they, again, they can't get passed through the democratic process or the courts, this is how they're going to try to get it snuck in to, uh, behind the American people's back. Well, I got to congratulate the, uh, the Utah officials. If you get Mitt Romney and Mike Lee to sign on to the same document, that's pretty cool. Uh, and they've been pushing back. His state officials are the ones leading the biggest charge back against ESG. Talk about some of the successes you had with divestment. Well, absolutely. You know, um, what we what we have said since the beginning is that, you know, each state really has to make a decision for itself what the best response to all of this is. Um, some of those states have passed legislation, um, I believe five states this last year, um, you know, starting with the state of Texas, of course, we watched Senate Bill 13 get passed, um, led by folks like Senator Brian Hughes and other senators. Um, and, and it really was a great blueprint, I think, for a lot of other treasurers and legislators to work together on those states. We saw West Virginia Treasurer Riley Moore pass a law that was a little bit different than the Texas law that was aimed just at the big banks. And it said, look, if you are discriminating against our signature industry, which is coal, natural gas, and oil, um, the, you know, the primary economic engine for the state, the livelihood of thousands of West Virginians, then you're no longer welcome to do business with our state. He's acting as a market participant, right? So he's not boycotting banks. The banks are boycotting West Virginia and then want to do business with them, by the way. Um, and so he basically passed that law was able to promote a list this summer that announced um, companies like BlackRock and others weren't allowed to be in state contracts any longer. Um, we're seeing uh, states like Kentucky, Treasurer Allison Ball um, shepherded a bill that 
um, is at, uh, for state contracts that also are discriminating any, any vendor. This one's a little broader. Any vendor that wants to do business with, with the state of Kentucky that has a contract valued at $100,000 or higher can't do business with Kentucky if they're actively discriminating against what they consider their signature industry of their state. Again, the fossil fuel industry. We're seeing that as model policy across the country, um, you know, where, where states, in some states, it may not be all fossil fuel focused, right? In Kansas and Nebraska, it might be agriculture and cattle ranching where this ESG movement has, you know, started pushing against companies that support the cattle industry because cattle produce methane and, you know, they think that that's going to end the world, you know? <laughs> and so, um, where our states are actively looking at legislation, of course, in the last several months, the headlines have been uh, all of the divestments that these state leaders have pushed in in many of these state treasurer's offices. A lot of people don't realize get to control the banking contracts, and they also have some play a lot of times with fund managers and just treasuries that they manage internally in their office. Um, Riley Moore was the first treasurer to announce a divestment back in January of this year. That was valued a little bit over one and a half billion dollars, wow. um, and and since then, uh, Treasurer Loftus of South Carolina, Treasurer Schroeder of Louisiana, uh, Treasurer Fitzpatrick of Missouri, um, Treasurer Oaks of Utah, Treasurer Milligan of of Arkansas, many of these men and women have jumped onto that and have announced similar divestments. Um, so. You know, we now, while we only have divested $3 billion in, in BlackRock's, you know, eight and a half trillion dollar funds under management globally, um, we're getting their attention. Um, I think that, you know, unfortunately, um, that's the language they speak. Um, it's, it's their bottom line. And that's the best way for us. It's kind of like dealing with a playground bully. You know, you got to pop them in the nose real hard, real fast. And that's frankly what these men and women are doing. Well, I can guarantee you're getting their attention. As a former Templeton executive, you lose a hundred million, five hundred, eight hundred million, one point something billion dollar account. It, it gets your attention, but it also makes headlines. So people say, "Hey, wait a minute! I want to divest too." You know, there's a famous line that the Constitution is not a suicide pact. You don't allow so much freedom that they destroy your freedom. And here, the states are fighting back and pushing back, and you're leading it. Uh, you're doing what we say all the time, weaponize your money. And the states are actually weaponizing their public money for liberty, not, not to control them, not to manipulate them, not to do anything nefarious, but to actually uphold the principles of the Constitution. So I just want to congratulate you on that. And I want to ask, how can our viewers support the State Financial Officers Foundation? Well, they can um, visit our website, obviously, sfof.com. Um, we are getting ready to launch a national education initiative um, where we're going to push out some, some educational material, website, videos that really help the average American understand the, the enormity of the ESG. Um, but, you know, when you hear these treasures and these men and women um, talking about their fiduciary duty um, and fiduciary responsibility, that's the foundation of our fundamental argument that no other political issue should be taking into account when it comes to making these investment decisions. So get to know your treasurer, get to know your state auditor, know who they are, it's an important part of the election, and ask them where they stand on this. 
You know what we're going to do. Thank you so much, Eric. What we're going to do is we're going to take this information and your big rollout, and we're going to put it in our economic battle plan so all our viewers can learn more about the State Financial Officers Foundation. Brilliant job. Uh, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.